0: You know, biking's not a silver bullet. It is a very useful tool in creating the types of communities that everyone deserves, equitable, healthy, sustainable, joyful communities.
1: For me, the most gratifying part is seeing people ride and seeing people actually out there using these facilities. I can sit all day and watch people use it, and it's just, it's an amazing feeling. Hi,
2: everyone. Welcome to the Active Towns Podcast, conversations about creating a culture of activity. My name's John Zimmerman. I'm the founder of the Active Towns Initiative, and I'm truly honored to be your host each week on this podcast journey. Thank you so much for tuning in. It's always wonderful to have you along for the ride. Today is April 9th, 2021, and in this week's episode, I'm very excited to be bringing a little New Orleans flavor your way with a great conversation I recently had with Jennifer Rooley and Dan Faber. Dan is the executive director of Bike Easy, New Orleans' leading bicycle advocacy organization, while Jennifer is the mobility and safety lead engineer with the City of New Orleans. As you'll soon learn, the Big Easy is leveraging a long history and strong culture of treating streets as activated public space as they strive to become one of the best places in the nation to cycle you'll also learn how they're leaning into community engagement, strategic leadership education opportunities, and maintaining positive working relationships. But before we roll into that conversation, please allow me a moment to recognize that this episode is being brought to you by the generous contributions of our donors, sponsors, and monthly patrons on our Patreon page. And if you're in a position to make a contribution, please head over to my website at activetowns.org and click on that blue donate button on the top right corner of the page. I also have links both in the show notes and on the landing page for this episode. Now, if you're enjoying the Active Towns podcast, but money is tight right now, no worries. Believe me, I completely understand. And there's good news. You can still help me out by sharing the podcast with anyone you think might benefit from this content. Either way, thank you all so much for tuning in and for whatever support you're able to provide. Okay, one final thing before we get started. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe to and rate the Active Towns Podcast on your preferred listening platform. This really does help to enhance the visibility of the podcast. Thanks. Alrighty then, let's ease into this conversation with Jennifer and Dan. Jennifer and Dan, it's so wonderful to connect with you here once again. Welcome to the Active Towns Podcast. Thanks for having us.
1: Thank you, thank you for having us.
2: All right, well, hey, you know, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy days. It's always a challenge, especially when we're trying to coordinate multiple different schedules. And uh, fortunately, we're all in the same time zone. So that, that worked out really, really well. And we're gonna be talking about some of the amazing transformations that are underway in New Orleans and, uh, but you know what, to get us started, why don't we just have each of you tell a little bit about your own personal background. Uh, Jennifer, let's start with you.
1: Yeah, thanks John. Um, Yeah, uh, so my own personal background is I'm born and raised in New Orleans. It's less common to run into native New Orleanians these days, uh, which is, is not a bad thing. But I moved back to New Orleans, so I went away for a while, moved back to New Orleans uh, right before Katrina. Uh, so I got to experience Katrina um, and that whole rec- long recovery. Since, since moving back to New Orleans, I have been working on bike infrastructure, making New Orleans safer for pedestrians, all these things that are really uh, I'm really passionate about. My background is in engineering, and uh, so I get to work with a lot of engineers you know in the city and and you know i've also worked in public health so i came back to new orleans to work around public health outcomes and increasing bicycle friendliness walkability all those kind of things so it's been a long journey and so hopefully we can share a little bit of that journey with with the audience
0: fantastic dan uh, so, you know, I grew up in the desert of Southern California, uh, and after a bit of a winding route, ended up here in the swamps of New Orleans uh, for almost 15 years now. I came to New Orleans to do work around environmental advocacy and, and working to uh, restore coastal wetlands through dedicated policy work. You know, I got my career, I started my career in on the presidential election of 2004. So I've always been in the sort of political realm of, of this work. But when I moved to New Orleans, I Didn't have a car and, you know, had been biking around in in a few of the cities I'd lived in before that, but really took to it here in New Orleans. It was uh, back then already uh, in 2006, a good place to bike. It's becoming very quickly a great place to bike. It's been fun to see those changes over 15 years. And, you know, I... Biking was a big part of how I formed my community. The people that I met, the friends that I still have, the some of the people that are closest to me uh, came out of organized bike rides and unorganized bike rides and just all the fun and joy that we were having on bikes back then. Um, so long before I got into the advocacy and more professional world around transportation, I was riding the streets of New Orleans and I'm really excited to be part of the, the, the big movement and the efforts um, to make those streets safe and accessible for everyone uh, for future. In future generations as well,
2: fantastic. And uh, you, you mentioned a couple of things there, Dan, uh, that that we'll we'll sort of we'll dive a little bit deeper uh, into in a little bit. But one of the things that I was going to uh, pose to both of you is that from my observation, New Orleans is a rather interesting place. The the community has perhaps a a rather unique relationship with the street and occupying street space. Um, Who'd like to describe that relationship a little bit?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I can go just, uh, you know, having grown up here and um, we we do spend a lot of time in the streets, whether that's playing uh when i was a kid you know we were always in the streets and whether that's you know cultural celebrations you know uh lots of street events street parties black parties you know you've you've hear about mardi gras you hear about second lines this sort of thing you know we have a very famous street called bourbon street that i think a lot of people have probably heard of uh so a lot of a um, life revolves around streets and also um, how our houses actually interact with the street. You know, we have a lot of stoops, we have a lot of porches, we have a lot of kind of conversations that happen in the street. So it's an interesting place from that perspective. And I, you know, uh, it's something that you miss when you're away from New Orleans is that interaction with people.
0: Yeah, New Orleans is really highlights, New Orleans really highlights just how streets are public space. I think one of the things that strikes folks the most and did for me when I first got here, but, you know, and if people come visit and stuff is that people actually say hello to each other on the street in New Orleans. Perfect strangers make eye contact and say hi, which you don't see in a lot of other places, right? So the streets are a place of interaction, a place of community. And, you know, I think of, you know, Jennifer mentioned second lines. That's really where my mind goes. You know, these uh, started as a tradition, uh, a funeral rites tradition, right? Uh, But now as um, every Sunday, you know, well, not this last year, but uh, in, in, in non COVID times, you know, social aid and pleasure clubs, these you know, African American cultural institutions put on these amazing. Parade parties uh, that have like deep meaning to the community are super fun for everyone who comes out there and just take over the street. And it's a it's a it's a rolling sort of shutdown, you know, a couple blocks, three blocks long, but covers miles and miles and miles throughout the city uh, with live music and people walking and dancing. And, um, you know, another thing you'll notice about the streets in New Orleans is that uh, folks have drinks in their hands and that's totally okay. Uh, but it just speaks to that idea of people coming together in the public space of our streets.
2: Yeah. And uh, you, you mentioned the, the social rides and the group rides. I was blown away at the spirit behind that. Uh, I got to experience one of the, the social rides. It was a night ride. It was incredibly festive. There were lights. There was music. It, it, has that just been going on forever? I mean, or is that just it continuing to build upon itself?
0: You know, that's been building probably about the last decade or so. And I remember early in in, uh, the riding I was doing here, you know, we did have critical mass rides, but they were always a little more fun. There was less of like the hard edge element to them than in some cities. And so uh, and then that that sort of morphed into these organized social rides, right? So people getting together with all the stuff you said, John, you know, lights, fun times, you know, meeting up at a bar and waiting for every enough people to get there that you sort of roll out together to the next stop. And, I really do think that the social rides are a big part of how we've had such quick transformation uh, in terms of our biking infrastructure, but just in terms of the development of our bicycle culture uh, in New Orleans. You know, people have been riding bikes in New Orleans for you know over a century, and the culture has been strong for decades and decades. Right? It just kind of wasn't seen as much all the time and the social rides do a really great job of making that bicycle culture very visible in a way that's really appealing to people even if you never ride a bike right you know i remember some of these early social rides you know we're going through neighborhoods that a you know weren't where you'd see a bunch of people biking or, or you know that you wouldn't see a bunch of white people or a bunch of black people biking you know you'd be sort of mixing it up and, but, you you know, we'd be riding through and saying happy Thursday to everyone who's coming out on the porch to check out these, you know, lit up bikes going by and they're just excited and it's like, oh, this is great. Like, you know, it was just a really positive community vibe that I think helped build the bridges between, you know, r- help everyone remember that we're all people. Maybe we're riding a bike, maybe we're on the stoop, maybe we're in the car, but we're all people on the roadways and we share this space. And I think that that sort of underlying culture has really helped propel us into folks understanding, oh great, this like we're building streets now that actually do this even better, right so that we don't have to be in a social ride to feel safe. We can bike on our own and feel safe because we've got streets that are designed that way. And so I do think there's a real you know through thread of social rides to a lot of the great positive momentum that we'll be talking about in terms of the sort of more deep technical elements of building streets to share.
2: And Jennifer, I I have to think that that makes your job a little bit easier from, you know, from a city staff perspective of having a, a higher level of awareness and appreciation that a street can be used for something other than, you know, speeding automobiles.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's been very gratifying to see this sort of organic thing just happen. To be swarmed by bicycles that are all lit up at night, um, whether you're walking or driving or riding your bike yourself, is just this kind of magical feeling. And uh, the thing about New Orleans and the kind of place it is, is that when you have an, a, an event or like that or like something, like a celebration really in the street, it's amazing how patient people are. And then they'll just slow down, wait for it to go by. I mean, I'm talking about, like, it could be a lot. you could be a wait in a while, right? But um, people are very patient. And to me, that's, like, what what everyday life should be like. You know, we should be patient. We should, you know, work together, share the road, that sort of thing. And so in, in many ways, it's a representation of, you know, kind of – where I think we could all be, you know, more often in, in the city of New Orleans if we are able to manage those conflicts uh, in, in an effective way. So, yeah, it, it's been more than gratifying to see the enthusiasm around bicycling, uh, whether you choose to ride in a group or, you know, alone or someone who actually comes out to meetings and gets involved in some of the advocacy. So it's been very rewarding to see that. And as someone who grew up and learned how to ride a bike in New Orleans, you know, it's it's I'm, I feel really privileged to come back and like contribute to this environment that we're building.
2: Yeah, good good point. And you had mentioned sociability, and uh, I have to you know just kind of reflect back to you that. You know, I was on a, a, a bike ride, just kind of cruising around. I was on the the Lafitte uh, uh, Greenway and ran into a gentleman who was coming home from work on his electric assist bike and was, he just, you know, I, I waved and said hi and he stopped. He, we just carried on, had a great conversation. And I said, you know, you've got an amazing story because he gave me his whole story as to why he was on an electric assist bike. And that's how we got to to and from work and he would use the greenway for his his transportation corridor so I said hey do you mind if I get you on film and so we just we started having a conversation on film and he's just a, you know a delightful character and and uh, and I appreciate what you said about the architecture too because that's one of the big challenges that we have in North America especially with suburban sprawl the architecture uh you know closes people off from the street and you you lose some of that sociability that's there And uh, so that is something that I think is it's wonderful to see that orientation of houses to the street and how that can facilitate social interactions. And so and, you know, if you're walking or you're biking or, you know, getting around on a mobility device where you can easily stop and chat and say hi and, you know, and, and greet people, it makes all the difference in the world.
0: Yeah, I'll throw in a fun story. Folks might have seen some about, you know, so we had Mardi Gras just a few weeks ago in New Orleans, right? And of course, uh, this being... Well, 2021 now, but, you know, it, it looked different this year. And one of the ways that folks really embraced the Mardi Gras spirit and the celebratory costuming spirit was to create house floats. So there weren't any parades. Uh, so people decorated their houses to look like parade floats. You know, I did that with my partner at our house here. And uh, it was it's so fun because... You know, I always love sitting on my porch. Uh, I've, I'm on a pretty decently busy street. So a lot of people walking by a few years ago, we got a bike lane on my street, so I could see a lot of my friends biking by and stuff. But then we built this house float. And it's just a whole nother level of interaction that's happening, right? People stop in to check it out or ask questions. And it's always we're always having conversations out on the porch, but it just added to it. And I think it just speaks to that, you know, again, the spirit of like, how the street is a place for people to come together. And we put effort into that, it doesn't just happen, right. And so so it's the architecture, it's the it's the culture, and it's the effort and energy that's continually put into it by um, a lot of different folks in the community.
2: When you look back on you know the recent past, uh, Jennifer, and 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 look at some of the critical moments that have really pushed things forward, are there any that really come to mind that bubble up and you, you can point to and say, you know, hey, this experience, you know, really helped open the floodgates?
1: Uh, yeah, we we've had several things that I can think of. I mean, I mean, one was a really good and bad was, was Hurricane Katrina. You know, it was a horrible, horrible event. And, you know, I think everyone learned a lot from it, but you know, a lot of, a lot of people were hurt by it. And um, I mean, I lost my house and, and a lot of people who were living here lost their houses, but in many ways, it helped to bring the community together and make us stronger. And our bikeway network really flourished with a lot of those investments that were coming after Katrina. So that was an opportunity to really coordinate designing for people with redesigning our streets to move forward, rebuild the city. So that was one incremental significant you know, milestone, I think that really contributed to the work that we're doing now. And then I think the other, it was 2009 before we got our first bike lane. I mean, it it still took a while to get there. But when when we put that in and like right by Dan's house, actually, Dan wasn't living there at a time. I didn't even know Dan at that time. But that bike lane uh, is, I mean, the the people using that bike lane, suddenly they became more visible to a lot of people on the roadway. And I think it has surprised people how many people actually rode bikes that were unseen because they were just another annoyance on the roadway to, to drivers. But once we started putting down that bike lane and then you know, the next bike lane was Uptown and then the next bike lane was in Gentilly, And so we started really spanning out and working in a lot of neighborhoods. And then people started to see these changes and think, well, wow, people are using those bike lanes and maybe I can use that bike lane. And, and this is something that's actually happening. And that and, and so I think that, you know, you start to see these changes that happen, but there weren't like changes that were radical. They were just sort of, uh, you know, iterations of of uh, of the roadway, and then I would say that later on, I, I have to credit that, you know, having bike advocacy and having an organization who really, you know, knows their stuff when i first started this work in 2004 the first iteration of bike easy our local advocacy organization Dan's organization was uh, was not even called bike easy so they grew during this time and when we started putting bike infrastructure down in a meaningful way that really helped them to grow also with their advocacy so i, I would say that that the role that advocacy has played in developing You know, more bikeable New Orleans has been has been a huge milestone, and and I'll let Dan add his his memories.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you know, which I um, bike easy. You know, I'm the executive director at Bike Easy, and uh, have been in that role for almost six years. Bike Easy's been around for almost 18 years now, uh, and with a couple different names. To Jennifer's point, Uh, we rebranded from Metro Bicycle Coalition of New Orleans to a much smaller mouthful uh, and Bike Easy. So, you know, I know some of the history of Easy and the engagement, but to me, it really, I think in this idea of a sort of moment that crystallized things, um, back you know I was riding my bike all the time that's how I was getting around town and whatnot but before I was really active in um, the advocacy world uh, aside from doing a few um you know critical mass type things and whatnot it was when the the big debate over one of our uh, downtown streets uh, going through the central business district came up and and became a you know a political hot potato right as, it, as much as we talk about New Orleans you know coming together in the street and, and all that clearly changes to the way that streets are designed are difficult to implement in many of the same ways that people throughout the country and throughout the world listening are familiar with. Uh, And so that was my, you know, uh, that got my attention because as, you know, an environmental activist who is very involved in policy and organizing around those types of issues, caring a lot about climate change and sustainability, you know. I had that sort of layer in thinking about biking, but this was when biking sort of entered the political realm and biking in New Orleans sort of entered the political realm in my mind. And, and I think in a lot of people's mind, right, because it was a pretty high profile conversation and media coverage and, you know, and there was this bike lane that was, you know, we, we, you know, not we, the, the city made it happen. It was great. And you know it's one that I happen to use when I'm when I'm not working from home. When I'm in my office, we get, I bike it every day uh, to go to the office. We're super excited to. It's about to get an upgrade as you know what it's almost seven, eight years old now, right? And so the t- technology has progressed a little bit, and we're you know ready to make it a parking protected bike lane instead of a buffered bike lane. And I think that's going to be super exciting. But it you know at the same time, it gets to this idea of like there was conflict around it. Had to work it out. Had to think through the ways that that sort of street fight plays out on any given corridor. Um, And that was, I remember the first, I went to one of the public meetings just as someone who cared about biking, right? And really that's where I sort of got into this idea of like, oh, this is something that really needs some, dedicated attention from people who know how to navigate this political world in order to make sure that we can continue seeing these types of improvements and so that was part of what inspired me to get more involved and then you know led um, to me being able to to step into this job i think in a quick and effective way and what's kept me inspired to to keep working every day to make sure that the streets are safe and accessible for everyone
2: Yeah. And I would say, too, that you mentioned the the political side of things and the political will to do things. And a few years ago, you all were hosting the Walk Bike Places conference. And so you became the national attention. You were hosting a conference of professionals coming in, advocates coming in uh, from all over the world. And uh, at the time, you were participating in the the People for Bikes Big Jump project. And so you even had a demonstration project of protected bike lanes there and giving, you know, the, the community an opportunity to touch it, feel it, and, and see what, what that type of infrastructure was looking like. Uh, talk a little bit about that because, A... That took a lot of support, political will and political support to take a chance and to do that and to host that conference and, and to be seen in that way. What's the legacy been like with that? And, 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 and then then I think we will be able to shift a little bit and talk about some successes that are on the ground now and uh, coming into the future.
0: Uh- how about I start, Jennifer, and I think you that you you can finish. That's there's 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 two great perspectives on this. I think in terms of from the you know civil society advocacy side, and then from the city side, and and honestly, one of the, part of the story is how that's all been a big active collaboration uh, between the community and the city. So. Yeah, one of the, well, I guess this goes to speaking to the politics, you know, throughout the last administration under Mayor Mitch Landrew, that's where we saw a lot of the expansion, the post-Katrina bikeway expansion that, that Jennifer was talking about and largely responsible for that, and it, that built the the momentum slowly but surely, right? As people started to see how it was useful and there was more visibility to the people that were riding and, and folks were understanding the safety elements of it and how it worked better for everybody, right? Uh, and so- our mayor now, Mayor LaToya Cantrell, uh, was on city council back then and was always a, a big proponent uh, of good, complete streets infrastructure, biking and walking, um, led, led some of the conversations on the council. And so we were really, you know, when, when she came into office, we were quick to be like, all right, let's do something big, you know. Uh, and the thing that we had on offer, because we've been talking with Walk Bike Places already, was like, you know, hey, there's this, there's this conference coming, let's make sure that we're in a good position to, to really showcase New Orleans, you know, and she was totally on board. And so that was an exciting sort of the beginning of, of the, the sort of wider leadership team, if you will, of people who are really engaging and, and working together, you know, we disagree at times, of course, as always, but, you know, like working together to move forward and, and really building out and envisioning and then implementing the, these complete streets, uh, and so Bike Easy was really thrilled to work with our friends in the New Orleans Complete Streets Coalition and a bunch of other people that kind of came to the table to take the lead on proposing this concept of, a, you know, a really big pop-up demonstration. So installing really professional looking uh, protected bikeways and high-vis crosswalks and things like that, uh, but that were only designed to be there for three months as a way for people to get to feel it experience it give their feedback to feel out some things about how we weren't sure it would work downtown with you know the technical details that Jennifer might be able to speak to much better than me and it was i mean it was an amazing experience right it was overwhelming and intense and hot and sweaty and then incredible and rewarding and so fruitful you know we built at the end i think around two and a half three miles of different types of protected bikeways going through our downtown corridor or through our downtown core into some of the neighborhoods around it connecting the lafitte greenway to the french quarter which is like it's only a few blocks but it's a crucial connection right and really speaks to this idea of the network you know, so there was all that the, the the great community engagement piece and getting that feedback from lots of different angles. I also think that it was really valuable, um, for, from my perspective, just to understand how this stuff actually works when you get to building a bikeway and how complicated it is, and the the myriad variables that go into any decision and how many decisions there are. And, you know, this whole, I wouldn't say new respect, but deeper respect for the engineers that are doing this all the time and the folks that are having to, you know, figure out how to balance all the needs of the various users on the roadway in a way that makes sense for everybody. And it's hard. It's really hard. And that's why it takes a a movement and and a big leadership team to work from all the different angles. Right. And I think that's one of the things that we all got to kind of figure out, you know, just as the new administration who was supportive was coming in and getting kind of figuring out their you know general ways of working, but then especially on this in street work you know, doing stuff in the streets, for us to kind of think about the best role that we could play as bike easy or who else we needed to make sure we were inviting in, you know, and, and ensuring that especially underrepresented communities that weren't usually part of the conversation about what their streets should look like, you know, low-income communities, the you know our, our city's sixty five ish percent uh, African American, so making sure that Black communities were you know deeply engaged, which hasn't always been the case, and so it's not easy either, right? But that's something where it's like we can we were all finding the places where we could contribute our strengths and recognizing our communal weaknesses where we needed to bring other folks in and really bigging the building the big tent coalition group of leadership that was needed to help propel these types of really progressive and innovative street projects forward in a way that brings benefits to everyone, right? Like, I'm into this for biking, but I'm into it for the people walking, I'm into it for the people driving, I'm into it for the people in mobility devices, I'm into it for the people. And that is something that I think you need all the people involved to make sure that you're getting outcomes that benefit all the people. And, and we really learned a lot through that process. And then it was really fantastic once everyone was in town for Walk Bike Places. You know, John, you got to experience it. A lot of people from around the country and world got to experience the pop-up, got to have lots of conversations about New Orleans. We got to have our mayor come and address the crowd and speak to equity in particular. She was really focused on that in her address at the conference. And she stayed focused on that. Throughout her her term and throughout the work that we've been doing, so I feel like I've gone on and on here. I should hand it over to Jennifer, but uh, it's an ex, it's ex, it was an exciting thing for us.
2: Yeah, yeah. One of the things I'll 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 pitch to you uh, on, on in this this realm, Jennifer, was that you ended up having some helpers <laughs> that were able to help install that pop up infrastructure. So, from a, a city's perspective, talk a little bit about that because, yeah, I mean, the, the community came out to to help you know, make this happen. Talk a little bit about that and and, in the overall context of, of, you know, that process.
1: Yeah, so you think of New Orleans like walk bike places, right? Hey, it's easy to think of New Orleans as being in there. We're not necessarily thought of as being like the the most progressive bike city or that kind of thing. But there is a lot of walking and a lot of placemaking here. Um, so you know, I'd been going to these conferences for many years, uh, starting I think in two thousand four with Victoria Pro Walk Pro Bike. That was an amazing experience, and. And then, you know, I'd been to Madison, I'd been to Pittsburgh. And I think by the time I got to Pittsburgh, it was uh, like we were starting to see the pop-ups happening, you know, around pop-up infrastructure that coincides with conferences. And that was a really cool idea for, to me. Um, but it, those pop-ups, I you know, had mostly happened, I think, with city efforts. You know, they send the striping crew out, that kind of thing. We were interested in something a little bit more homegrown. And luckily, we do just enough learning from other cities to get it to get it um, to, to work off of that. So we had started the process of, hey, what would what would we imagine as being something that we could pull off during this conference when all these people are going to come and like hear us talk about the, the work we've done? And maybe even if they don't hear us, they can see it or they can experience it. And so we had a lot of efforts around planning the conference, planning um, what those quarters might look like. But we didn't want to waste that effort. We wanted to, it to translate into what might ultimately get built. And so we were very careful about expending too much energy on stuff that we didn't think was going to get built. And luckily, I, I have to credit, is the trees Coalition, Bike Easy just, I, I, they really... Con- contacted a lot of people around the, the nation as what I understand and just like found out what they were doing, what work, what paint did you use? Uh, how did you lay that out? Um, the other thing is, is that there were people that like contractors, local contractors that got really excited when they heard about what was going on. And then they started donating their time and donating their, uh, equipment. So like for, uh, you know, it was, seemed like it was weeks. We had, um, equipment that had been donated <laughs> from contractors. They were just like, you yeah, know, take it, use it. And so anything from like putting the striping down to, uh, you know, there was all kinds of like products we were <laughs> using. Um, but and then at the same time, we had vendors from the, the conference who were willing to donate their equipment to help build out the the pop-up. So Design Line was donating some stuff and like we put in some Ped Rail and uh, some other stuff like that. So, and we had some planters donated. It was like really cool to see all that come together because then we could go back to the city and say, hey, we were able to pull this all out off. And don't you like those planters? Don't you like the, the, that other product? And for me, the most important thing was here we are hosting all these people from all over North America and that we can have a conference focused on walking, bicycling, place. And that's really a thing. And that it's not just about, you know, your, your conferences of, you know, doctors and lawyers and accountants and whatever, you know, those, those conferences. This was like a fun conference that opens it up to the, the community where you're actually interacting with people, you're interacting with places and you're learning about them. And that to us was really exciting. And I think we had actually tried to host that conference before, but we didn't get selected, right? And so we felt like we had enough going for us. And this really kind of demonstrates how far New Orleans has come, is that I felt like we had such a great team to work with, all kinds of people. It was like some of the funnest days, like, showing up to a walk bike places planning meeting (laughs) and uh, talking to these people who are like with the arts, you know, arts council or with a, you know, some organization or, you know, they're into green infrastructure, like all these people coming together. And I think that it kind of speaks to the fun that it is to work on these kind of projects because it brings people from all different kind of perspectives into, into the room um, to make, make the streets uh, even better. So, I mean, something that doesn't get said a lot is that you know, New Orleans has pretty crappy streets, and I always challenge people to say, "Well, what more do we want out of our streets?" You know, of course we, you know, have a lot of street life in our streets and that kind of thing, but you know, we don't have to live with potholes or 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 people dying on the street like you know because it's unsafe. Like, how do we make it better? And so. Those are all ways that you can show that lots of people are interested in these conversations and they come out and they talk about it and you see them and you get to kick the tires, as Dan mentioned, and uh, don't just complain about it and what your perception is, but try it out.
2: So fast forward to uh, 2021. What are some of the successes that are now on the ground uh, that have emerged over the past couple of years uh, since hosting that conference?
1: Yeah, so since that conference, we have, uh, we continued work under Big Jump, uh, building out a connected low stress network. We, as, as any city, you know, sometimes you have lulls and sometimes you have like lots of facilities built and then you have lulls. And we've all, I think with that work, we had a lot of good pieces in place To then start embarking on, you know, a more deliberate build out with the new Kentrell administration, as Dan mentioned, Uh, there was now, you know, uh, support from from the very top and the political will behind it. And we also work to, uh, with People for Bikes to ensure that, you know, hey, any additional resources to help with the technical side or the engagement side, uh, they were really great to work with to um, f- fill those gaps and, and help us to, you know, build our momentum. Uh, I think Dan will probably talk to that a little bit more. But but I think that since then, we've, uh, I mean, we're in the middle of an ambitious build-out right now. Uh, we're committed to 75 miles of low-stress connected bikeways in over a two-year period. So the idea is to, uh, you know, accelerate, the infrastructure in a in a meaningful way, where we impact the ability for more people to ride, uh, the ability for more people to be safe and in an equitable manner, in a timely manner.
2: So quick question for you. Obviously we're in the midst of a, a global pandemic and some cities in 2020 were actually able to accelerate getting things on the ground. Uh, did that happen for you as well? Were you able to kind of keep things moving and perhaps even maybe accelerate some installations? Uh,
1: the thing is we kept our stuff moving. Uh, we did not slow down. We didn't necessarily have all the pop-ups that you saw across the nation, you know, like, uh, or even internationally, like, you know, some of that great stuff we saw coming out of Europe. However, we did keep moving and, and pushing forward and seeing Tons of bicyclists out there, which just really confirmed that, you know, we need to continue to do this work for those, those people who are out there now and, like, you know, maybe new riders, that sort of thing, and they keep on riding. The pandemic has just kind of reaffirmed why we started this work in the beginning. And it even reaffirms why I started the work from a career standpoint in 2004 when I came to New Orleans to work on public health outcomes, that public health has come back as a reminder of why we do these things, that it's not just about getting from A to B, it's about having the means to be healthy.
2: Dan, observations and thoughts from, from your perspective.
0: Yeah. It's been so exciting to see the progress you know, that was clearly underway before walk bike places in a lot of ways, but even just thinking about it since then. Right. And, and and honestly, I couldn't have coming from an advocate's perspective, like I couldn't have imagined a better sort of trajectory, right. Where, you know, we really pushed hard and put a lot of energy into that pop up with this idea of like, Hey, we want to, you know, clearly this is stuff that we want, but we want to do it in a new, in a way that really embraces, everybody's perspective and gets people involved and ensures that we are engaging equitably and 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 as widely as possible and you know so the, the last few months you know 2018 we had the conference the pop-up was up the demonstration was up for you know a few months after that we sort of closed that out finished up some reports and some real deep analysis on it um, and then in 2019 the city went into a, a, an intense public planning process to develop a bikeway blueprint right like the the prior bike master plan was regional and it was from before Katrina you know so all the good work that Jennifer had been doing was kind of like scrambling in the aftermath of Katrina with you know they're just Things happening all over the place and it was everything everyone realized like oh it's time to like make sure that we create a vision a community vision uh, that's you know it's got all the, the important data work you know that so we can speak to you know okay when we talk about equity what does that mean well there's a bicycle equity index that was used in the planning process that's data driven we you know they looked at safety data they looked at demand data all this stuff but then also really incorporated the community engagement and the community input right so over tons of meetings and a lot of outreach that we were, you know, working to funnel people to, and not just the bike community, right? Like we wanted everybody to show up and make sure that their voices were heard in this. And I really commend the work that was done, you know, by Jennifer and her team and other folks within city hall to go through that process and like figure out a, true vision. And there's a beautiful bikeway blueprint that lays out, you know, what is it? Five, 600 miles of bike lanes throughout the city. Clearly it's like a long-term vision, but what's really exciting was that as that was happening, you know, there was also the commitment to rapidly developing the first 75 miles, you know, and in a way that really Lent more gravity to the planning process. We weren't just doing this as an exercise. There was real money and real work that was going to happen on the other side of this planning process, and that's where we are. At, where we are now, right? Uh, I can't remember the timeline exactly. I think it was late 2019 or early 2020 when, like the you know, the final blueprint was announced. Some design work was started like right away, and I think that it speaks you know, the pandemic clearly, as Jennifer mentioned, right, we've seen unprecedented numbers of people biking in New Orleans, we saw like, you know, some of the places where there's um, ongoing counter systems, it's like 250% increases in riding, you know, last spring and stuff like that. And it's just, and it's really visible. So the demand, you know, you can see the demand, you can see the desire. But then also, you can see the power of this long process and this buildup and all the work and engagement that's been happening that it didn't slip while the city was slowed down in so many other ways. And there was clearly a lot of things for our leaders to be thinking about terms of navigating this, one thing that didn't get tripped up was infrastructure build out and bikeway infrastructure and that's been you know moving a pace and just really great um last year the focus was in algiers which is you know a big chunk of the city that's across the mississippi river from from most of it uh we we're all super proud to see people for bikes named the algiers bikeway network is their number one bikeway of 2020 you know so 11 miles of build out um, there's still a, there's still a straggler mile or two i think that's coming on on, um, on board um, this year but you know, and it's, it's beautiful. It was a, it was a part of the city that didn't have a ton of, bike infrastructure before it's a high equity needs there's a lot of great connections that can be made via bike and then connecting by ferry to the downtown core where a lot of the jobs are and all that was thought out in the planning and then it's getting implemented in terms of stuff being built on the ground and bike rides over there are fantastic now Uh, and i'm really excited to see that work now you know making its way over to the east bank the other side of the mississippi river which is what most people probably if we've visited new Orleans or whatnot would know that's where our French quarter central business district and all of the cool neighborhoods around that. And, you know, have this vision for the network and things are, things are really moving along. And so really excited to see everything that hits the ground this year in terms of bike lanes and complete streets infrastructure that make it you know safe for everyone.
2: So network is, is really the, the, the key word that just keeps coming up again and again and again, you know, we've, gotten beyond just talking about a particular facility or facility type, et cetera. And it really becomes this network and and, and they come in all different flavors in terms of you know yes you've got your protected bike lanes and you've got your you know maybe quiet residential streets that serve as some of our de facto uh, you know feet struts if we want to think of the Dutch you know term of a bicycle priority route where it's very very uh, low volume of traffic and hopefully low speed as well and and we try to you know prioritize some routes through there but also some um, off Road uh, infrastructure. Uh, Jennifer, is your department involved with the the trails and and the multi use trails too?
1: Yeah. So, Public Works is my department. We also have an office of transportation, but it's it's a fairly small new or organization. We are involved. We're the builders. So we we build a lot of you know basically all the bike infrastructure in the city uh, and, and and in some cases we build in parks too and coordinate that with the park agencies. So yeah, a lot of that is us.
2: Got a new one coming up. You've got uh, Marconi. That's uh, the multi-use trail that's that's coming together. Is that correct?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. That's coming together. It's under construction now. That's in City Park. People are, people are going to have a trail all the way around the park. So uh, that's very exciting. Uh, a lot of a lot of people were gravitating toward parks during uh, you know the pandemic during the shutdown that sort of thing and uh you couldn't go anywhere in city park without someone popping up from the bush and like hey i'm here too uh there were lots of people on bikes and um and so it's really exciting to see all these pieces to co- come together and like i said there's there's just seeing these networks come together is like the most gratifying thing because we're going to have our first protected bike lane as well. I mean, first protected intersection, sorry. in in Algiers, that's, that's really exciting. Like we would have, no one would have forecasted that, you know, even two years ago. And I think that, you know, as far as the networks go, that's how we're also engaged in the community as well, is that we're talking about networks and we're not presenting one corridor at a time. This helps people to see the bigger picture about how people connect in their everyday lives. You know, that, uh, They have to use multiple streets and pathways and that sort of thing. And this also includes parks. And we haven't been, because we're not a parks agency, Public Works, we have to coordinate with other agencies. However, I'm really excited that we were able to make, uh, we're doing some great connections in parks. And then hopefully one day we'll be able to build something like a bike park. Uh, in one of those parks. Uh, so we just kicked off a planning effort um, this week on a potential new bike park.
2: <laughs> yeah. See, I think you both got to see the Valmont Bike Park, uh, you know, there in in Boulder during one of our People for Bikes gatherings that, that uh, we were all involved with. And speaking of which, let's talk a little bit about that, because you just mentioned that first protected intersection which also brings to mind um, some of the learning experiences and the capacity building experiences and the awareness uh, experiences that uh, uh, People for Bikes has been helping cities, uh, selected cities, the ten cities that were part of the Big Jump, and and they continue to to provide some additional support. Talk a little bit about the the influence and the power of you know some of the study tours that y'all were able to participate in, and. and it, you know, describe that how what that impact was for for you know the city.
1: Dan, do you want to you want to go with this? Because I I can talk all day about learning from other cities.
0: Well, yeah, and I think you know you and I will have different answers on this, Jen. In in terms of the edge, you know education and learning components, right? Like walk by places, other conferences, but yeah, the uh, I would say the two. Weeks, two separate weeks uh, in the in the last few years that have had the biggest impact on me were trips that I was able to take with people for bikes. Um, uh, one to Amsterdam, or sorry, the Netherlands, uh, Amsterdam, Den Bosch, a couple other places we stopped and Utrecht, with the most amazing bike parking garage in the world. Uh, and so, you know, I think the the th- the biggest learning that I came away from Amsterdam with was the idea that. It, it was not. It was never a foregone conclusion that the Netherlands was going to become such a bike friendly place, right? It was a series of political actions and decisions that were made by their society and decision makers in the '70s, to when things were headed in the audio auto, you know, the post World War II auto oriented direction, you know, and in the '70s they, they they rebuked that and were like, you know what this is not working. People are dying in the streets where things are more polluted. We're losing our downtown plazas and whatnot. And there was, there was a political upheaval and, you know, there was, there were literally marches in the streets demanding different types of infrastructure. Uh, And that is what has led to the bicycling standalone that most people think of now in terms of when, you know, uh, biking in the Netherlands. Uh, And to me, that's super important because that's the type of work that I most directly engaged with and the movement building and the idea of like creating the political will and ensuring that the political will stays strong and, and seeing it's like, Oh, you know, in 50 years from now, if we can do what the Netherlands did in the seventies, this is what we can create 50 years later. Right. And that is this amazing, you know, in, in Amsterdam where what, you know, it's like over half of the the daily trips are taken by bicycle. And it's just this incredible culture of bicycling and it feels so safe and it feels so efficient and you can get where you need to go. And then, you know, to you know, but I think that was still like a hard, sometimes I would bring that story back and it was still hard for some people who don't think about this stuff quite as much as I do or hadn't been to Amsterdam or whatever to like make the connection, right? So I, you know, and I did my due diligence in working to make people see it, but it was a little harder just because it's such a long time frame. Uh, so then, when we got to go to Seville in Spain, their biking revolution, right, was ten years ago, uh, a little more than ten years ago, and so, it, and that was really great to see. Especially there, it was kind of this story of, you know, you you get all of the, you get a lot of different players, the big tent, right. This has got to be a shared leadership model where you have elected officials, the the more technical folks, uh, you know, that work in in municipal and state and local and, um, you know, government, you have your advocates, you have your community members and community representatives that are, you know, represent their neighborhoods. You have your disability uh, advocate, you know, you get the, everybody in the room together, the the proverbial room. uh, And you, so that brings the political will, and then you move fast. And, you know, I think the big story around Seville was that they, Built. They went from almost no bike infrastructure to what I forget the number 100 kilometers or something, you know, some incredible amount of bike infrastructure very quickly. And it was all protected and connected. It went to great lengths to make sure you were never left and like, what do I do for this block? You always knew where you were supposed to be when biking. And I think those are some really important lessons and stories that I can tell here in New Orleans that really resonate. There's like a lot of similarities between um, Seville uh, and New Orleans, so yeah, those those two trips have really informed the way that I talk about uh, this work, the way I talk about the benefits, the way that we tie the idea that it's like this isn't just about biking, you know, by, you know more people biking benefits everyone. This type of infrastructure benefits people walking and people driving and people you know with mobility devices, people on transit, and how all those improvements need to you know work together, um, and so. That's been super helpful. and it's just again, it's nice to know to see what's possible.
1: yeah, and i I, I just add, you know, we kind of knew what to expect in the Netherlands, and the you know we didn't know quite what to expect with Seville. we We'd heard about the story and that kind of thing. but but when our folks who came with us, who were elected officials and and uh, and people within the administration, And they were able to actually ride around Seville and learn about their story and talk to the people who made it happen. it really came alive for a lot of us in that no one ever saw Seville as being like a you know, this emerging bike friendly city before they made all this stuff happen. And I think people look at new Orleans the same way. It's like, you know, don't count new Orleans out. We, we've got a lot going on and, and we can, uh, and we've been able to show that we've made a lot of progress. And, and that's the story I, I would love to be able to tell in the future is you know more of the Seville style so- story where we figured it out. We figured it out. It took. We didn't know what we were doing in the beginning. We figured it out and we worked together and and, and made it happen. And so uh, those two examples are extremely powerful um, to me in my everyday conversations. Uh, you know, and so. You know, I can talk to one of my colleagues or I can talk to Dan or I can talk, you know, and say, remember that um, street we were on <laughs> and remember how it was designed, that kind of thing. And just little subtle things will come back to us. And we can use that in, in how we uh, think about our facilities as, as we're approaching design or even engaging the community or thinking through strategy around how to move a project forward. So, yeah, those, those have been really powerful experiences.
2: Yeah. And I think that uh, I'm glad you mentioned the, the, the Seville trip there, Jennifer, and, and the impact that it had on some of the elected officials and some of those folks that were there, because really that's the point for those, those study tours to uh, be an opportunity for, for it to really be an awareness building. Certainly for, for for some of the folks, some of us, you know, some of the inside baseball sort of stuff of of the technical and being able to really like get down and be like, oh yeah, okay, now I understand the dimensions of this and the the alignment of that and you know, the technology of those bi- bike signals and the relationship to, you know, the street and the and the traffic flow of the protected intersection, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But I think the biggest impact for for sure are, you know, for those uh, people who also are along on those study tours who this is game-changing for them this is earth-shattering for them they're just like oh my gosh this is so cool Uh because they get to feel it they get to experience it you neither of you mentioned this but i will it's also the the weather in seville is a little bit more aligned with us those of us here in the south uh in, in north america so it's warmer it's hotter it's humid and and so you know being able to relate you know and say oh yeah well Gosh, this is just like you know, just like home. You know, it's it, you can be hot and sweaty, and guess what? You're you're seeing you know near double digit uh, mode share of people uh, riding around in the city. And what's great about it, and you both sort of mentioned it, is you know because they built an entire Dutch inspired network of protected infrastructure, separated infrastructure, within an eighteen month period it was able to have a tremendous impact on the culture. And so yeah. next thing you know, you're seeing, you know, moms riding, uh, increasing kids riding. And so it, it, it just, it's it, it's it gets past what they used to have, which is what we typically have in North America, which is the middle-aged males in Lycra, uh, you know, and they're white on their, uh, you know, on their fast, you know, road bikes, nothing wrong I'm one of them too uh, on occasion <laughs> but it, you know they were able to break through and that's the whole point if we build an all ages and abilities network we will see vast increases in in, in the number of people writing so is there anything that we haven't yet covered I've got I've got a, a question poised here but I want to I open it up to the two of you before we do it so is there anything that we haven't yet covered that you want to make sure that we talk about here today
0: We've covered a lot of ground. I think one thing that I just has come into mind, which we sort of mentioned before, but again, the the Seville trip, because we talked about you know some of Jennifer's colleagues um, from City Hall who got you know to, to learn a bunch, are also other members of the community who came on that trip. And I think just coming back to that idea that, uh, and specifically people who are not necessarily bike folks, quote unquote, right. Uh, and so I think it's really important that for us as uh, you know when I, us like Bike Easy or Bike Advocates that you know biking's not a silver bullet it is a very useful tool in creating the types of communities that everyone deserves equitable healthy sustainable joyful communities but, you know, we need people that advocate for walking and we need people, you know, who there's, there's plenty of advocates for cars just in a general sense, but people who understand, you know, have that driving perspective. And we need, you know, the the parks agencies and parks advocates. And, you know, you know, in New Orleans, there's a lot of stormwater management and how do we use our public space to deal with, you know, street flooding and things like that. The church community, the business community, and that's something that we've really I think done a um, pretty exciting job of here in new Orleans with the complete streets coalition. And really just, you know, we have 35 members, I can't even, you know, somewhere in the seventies or eighties of supporters. uh, And it's just such a wide spectrum from real estate agencies to mega churches from, you know, the, the, the classic transportation advocates to the American heart association, you know, and just really ensuring that from a civil society perspective, we are casting a very wide net, of who we're ensuring is engaged in this conversation. We think about race, we think about gender, we make sure that there's representation. Um, you know, I think equity and outcome, for equity and outcomes, you need equity and process. And that means who's engaging and who's in leadership positions, and, you know, I think that that is something where through the Complete Streets Coalition and then also through dedication from the city side, we have a long way to go, but I think we're headed in the right direction. As a sort of tip for everybody out there, make sure that you're, you're talking to everyone about how bike infrastructure benefits them.
2: Cool. That's great, great advice. And it, it sounds like it, it also helps, that helps resonate with the, the community because it gives relevance to, you know, why this matters for them. Jennifer.
1: I agree. Yeah, I I think that, you know, thinking about how it's easy for us to get into our our silos, especially the people working on the the city side. I haven't been a city employee for very long. I've been embedded within the city government and, you know, have been able to pay for my time with grants, that sort of thing. So I think a little bit differently about these relationships. But relationship building has been the critical glue that, holds this whole thing together and makes us stronger in in so many ways. And I think that it's representative of, 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 of living in New Orleans, really it's about your community relations and, and how you build upon those. And I think, doing it completely alone or thinking that you can just have, you know, some mayor declare that you're going to build a big bike network and then not think about how the community response is and the need for community to be supportive, that kind of thing, is I don't know how often that actually happens here in the U.S. I've, I've heard stories around around the world, but But I think to build a long-term momentum, you have to be thinking about both government, political will, funding, and community, how the community uh, is supported by these kind of efforts. And I I think hopefully, you know, check in with us next year and we'll have a lot more to tell you. And we have a a lot lot of great stories. It's been a really fun ride so far. And I, I feel like I don't get out on my bike nearly as much as I'd like to <laughs> to explore these new places, but, but I'm trying to do more. And uh, hope and for me, the most gratifying part is seeing people ride and seeing people actually out there using these facilities. I can sit all day and watch people use it and it, it's just it's an amazing feeling. Hope to see a lot, lot more, a lot more lot. Lot, 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 lot more diverse uh, people using them, and uh, so it'll be, it'll be, great.
2: That's cool. Well, you know, you two have been having you over the last several years have had a, a fabulous working relationship, to the best of my, my knowledge. And um, you know, who knows what kind of knockdown, dragout fights you have when uh, you're not in public. But uh, uh, any, any final like hints as to to, to how that uh, productive relationship can exist between advocacy and the city.
1: Yeah, I just want to say it takes uh, some ingredients to make that happen. It takes the good leadership, and, and, and we haven't always had the same style of leadership that we do now, but good leadership can foster really great, strong relationships, and it doesn't have to be adversarial. And that, you know, certainly there are things we can disagree on with the advocates and the advocates can come after us on different of city government, not doing enough and that sort of thing. But it's a, it's, con, it's a relationship really, you know, constantly building and, and figuring out how advocacy groups, community groups can augment what the city is able to do because we know we can't do it all. Um, and that's been the, probably the best lesson learned is, is how we can, uh, we don't have to view everyone as being outsiders and, uh, get out of our way. And uh, that approach never worked for us. And uh, when, when we had that kind of style of leadership, we weren't getting very far.
0: Got it. Yeah. I just, I think Jennifer mentioned it earlier in that it's, it's so much about relationships and it's a in relationship building on a, both institutional level, but a personal level, right? Like we are all humans who are, working hard and have, you know, trying to get to a place and might have slightly different views on the best way to get there. But like, we need to understand how to navigate that together. And I just don't think that you get as much done when you're, when it's, butting heads or overly critical, right? Like we are all problem solvers. And I think that's what we bring to the table, you know, from, from our elected officials to the folks who've been in city administration for a long time, to our council, to the community, you know, making sure that we're engaging community in a way that's like, what are your challenges and how can we work together to solve them? Right. And, you know, bringing different, you know, different, Technical experts to the table, but also um, you know people who know how to talk about this stuff, and so. But at the end of the day, it comes down to these personal relationships, and I think that you know, as someone who's done activism and advocacy for a long time, one thing that I truly believe in is that like government can do big good things for the people, and that is something that you know we need to engage with government in the right way and engage with the individuals who make up government to ensure that we are doing big, good things for the people. And I think it is through, um, these relationships, uh, and spending time together. You don't, it shouldn't always be about work, right? You go for a bike ride together, grab that beer together, you know, with, the, with the individuals who are involved, whether, you know, on, on all of those different realms that I sort of went through, uh, and, and get to know each other. And, and I think when you, when you get to know people and you understand folks and understand the different perspectives, you can come together collectively to really create big progress. And that's what we're doing in New Orleans.
2: I love it too. And and we mentioned it earlier. I mean, what a powerful message it is when the community is uh, willing to roll up their sleeves, get sweaty and help install a temporary project. You know, it's like, yeah, I mean, that that's a strong indication that the community uh, is willing to be active in that partnership. It's good stuff. I can't wait to see the rest of the story <laughs> as it unfolds here. Yeah. Hey, what's the best way for folks to uh, stay in touch with, uh, with your respective organizations and the work that you're doing? Um, I'm assuming you're uh, active out on social media.
0: Yeah. So, um, you know, bike easy. Uh, we're at bikeeasy.org um bike easy at bike easy on pretty much all of our all of the social media platforms. We're not on TikTok yet. Uh, but uh, and uh, but I also do want to make sure to give a big shout out. I would, even, you know, the, the New Orleans Complete Streets Coalition we're an active member but it's that's where you really will see the the really broad swath of of individuals and institutions that are involved in supporting this great work um, and that's at nolacompletestreets.org streets.org and then nola complete streets on facebook and, and instagram and just nola complete on twitter uh, but you can find it all at nola complete org.
1: yeah and and if you want to track, you know, the city's progress and see all the, the cool projects coming up the, and example photos of, of product, projects that we've completed, uh, it, you can go to www.nola.gov forward slash transportation. Look for moving New Orleans bikes and uh, should all be there
2: fantastic and and i know the facebook page for moving new orleans is is pretty active too so there's there's frequently uh, stuff out there
1: instagram too
2: i'll include all of those links uh, in the show notes jennifer and dan it's been an absolute pleasure chatting with you both here today thank you so much for joining me on the active towns podcast
1: oh it's been awesome thank you john
0: yeah thank you this is fun
2: Thank you all so much for tuning in to episode number 69 of the Active Towns Podcast. Transforming our cities into safer, more inviting places that support and promote a culture of activity is hard work and it requires strong leadership and competence at all levels, from elected officials to city staff and administration, to the community advocacy organizations, and yes, even to activists. In my opinion, New Orleans right now is doing an amazing job As both Jennifer and Dan mentioned, it's not always easy, but they power through with a commitment of mutual respect, patience, and understanding. Keep an eye on New Orleans, and when you can, get on down there for a visit. I promise you, it'll be a great ride. Okay, that's all for this week's episode. But before I let you go, one final reminder since it's tax season. (laughs) Please don't forget to make a tax-deductible contribution to Active Towns. It will seriously make a big difference in helping me to produce this content and grow the culture of activity movement. Doing so is easy. Just head over to activetowns.org and click on that blue donate button on the top right corner of the page. Thank you so much. Alrighty, it's time to say goodbye. So until next week, this is John signing off by wishing you much activity, health, and happiness. Cheers.